welcome to the AcroChats podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the practice of acrobatics in the global acro community. I'm Sean. And I'm Emily. We're partners and teachers based out of New York City, and we love acro. Each week, we dive into acro topics, including training tips and methodology, happenings in history of the practice, and interviews with acro practitioners from around the world. Come hang with us as we explore the world of acro and its global community. Welcome back to Acro Chats, everyone. I'm Sean, here with my lovely partner, Emily. Hi. At Warrior Bridge, in the basement. On the floor. With the laptop on a feed-up trainer. (laughs) Daniel, I know you've had to have heard at this point. Someone's (laughs) like, one of your friends have tagged you or some shit. More feed-ups for free, please. Okay. So, now that... um, Now that you've been let in on the glamour... Of our lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah. We are going to talk about something pretty glamorous. Pretty glamorous. In Mm -hmm. fact, it's the one pose, move, Mm -hmm. skill... That if you can do it, it guarantees you're a good person <laughs> and you'll be happy. Or at least it guarantees you some likes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like a few, a few dozen likes. So what are we talking about, Emily? One-arm handstand. So the one-arm handstand. Obviously, we, uh, obviously we're messing around about like the value of any one move. Uh, but the one-arm handstand is a skill, a move that we've kind of gotten like real fascinated with over the last several years and put a lot of time into. And, um, you know, it's kind of like kind of helped steer both of our movement practices. It's shown up a lot in our acro practice. So the one-arm handstand, yeah, we'll talk about it. Maybe it's just, you know, a result of sort of being obsessed with understanding it and you know like figuring it out and thinking about it a lot but I'm pretty surprised at how often when we're practicing acro something else you know that's not a one-arm handstand but you know some other balance skill and if it's not working and we're kind of figuring something out and it's like oh if I do it this way like one arm <laughs> then it works. Or if I shift my weight this way, or if I transfer like this, it works. Um, it just kind of like the concepts show up a lot. So we'll start off this, uh, this like chat of the acro variety with what is a one arm handstand? So in a way it's, you know, that's, it's in the name. It's a handstand where you use one arm instead of two arms. So the one arm handstand can be done momentarily in like a Instagram yoga style pop-up or in breakdancing as a freeze where you're just trying to hit it as kind of like a punctuation mark on a longer sequence. Or it can also happen in hand balancing where you're doing long sequences of balancing on one arm Um, And in acrobatics, where you might be doing a one-arm on a partner. I first saw one-arms as uh, on a skateboard, actually. Um, One of the... I was already, like, getting into skateboarding, but one of, like, my really, like, inspiring early moments was seeing a guy named Mike Vallely do a street plant, which was basically... He did, like, a cartwheel or a breakdance-style freeze and put his board on his feet. Um, and his hand was on the floor and this was just like in the middle of a parking lot. And to me, it was like, that was just like the coolest shit ever. He was doing a one handed handstand with a skateboard on his feet. Just, I just thought that was baller. So I guess it's worth saying like when we talk about one arm handstand for like our personal practice and in the disciplines we work in, we're talking about like a stable sort of non-moving thing, or maybe like there's some leg movement happening, um, but there's several moments at least of balancing on one arm. It's not like moving through it, um, which kind of differentiates it from some of these other disciplines. Yeah, so like the, we'll talk about like a bunch of the different places that 
the one arm handstand, like we've kind of seen it show up in our study of acrobatics. Um, so like on its most basic level, anyone who's walking on their hands is doing a momentary one arm handstand. Um, but depending on like how you're choosing to walk on your hands, especially if you're like doing like a walk across a floor or you're walking for distance, um, usually walking kind of has a, um, controlled fall. It's a controlled fall, the, like the forward or backward movement. But when you're shifting from hand to hand, the legs are kind of like, uh, trying to stay centered and your spine actually kind of moves underneath you kind of. I could be using this wrong, but it, it creates like an inverted pendulum balance. Yeah, so it's really interesting actually because um, in like the clinical world of like analyzing gait and walking um, or in like the neuro rehab world, we actually say that walking on your feet is controlled falling, right? So you're not like shifting to one side, balancing on that foot, then taking a step, shifting to that side, balancing on that foot, taking a step. It's literally like one foot in front of the other. And if you didn't, you would kind of fall on your face. Um, so walking on hands like across the room or CrossFit style is the same thing. It's not really a balance. It's like a getting into a rhythm and then just continuing your steps. Yeah, pretty much. And when you walk, you get this opportunity to basically rebalance yourself by placing your hand in... A variety of different spots whereas if you were trying to stay in one spot you have to find the balance from like the bottom up which is a different type of thing so any conversation about handstands um, if we kind of don't mention gymnastics pretty early on we're leaving out like the discipline in which like the most repetitions of this have happened um, so probably not like if I'm, I'm just kind of postulating here, hopefully I use that word correctly. Um, but I'm gonna guess like throughout like the last 30, 40, 50 years, like of everyone doing uh, one arm, doing handstands in gymnastics gyms, like there have been like many five second one arms. And I'm gonna probably say like they probably end around that three to five seconds because without more specific like intention about how you do it it's just a very challenging thing to um to hold for a long time but because of things like handstand walking and pirouettes and parallel bars and just like massive amounts of time spent in handstands gymnasts um it's a very intuitive idea in a way to just go over to one hand so people try to do them and gymnasts have like very very strong fundamental handstands. So it's not very well developed within the gymnastics world, but it you do see it um, even like, I, I can think of this one, uh, I think this counts as a girl cause she was like 12. Mm -hmm. So she uh, she would do like a one arm stalder negative on a balance beam. Um, yeah, so like uh, gymnast, gymnastics nowadays doesn't really prioritize being it's able just to do not a one arm, a scored like skill. Um, I think, well, partly like being able to balance a one arm for more than three to five seconds requires so much training and like so much attention to only that that you wouldn't be training any of your other gymnastic skills, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I actually am not sure if there's even any score advantage to doing um, a one arm versus a two arm. It might be like scored exactly the same. So it doesn't uh, really get developed so much in gymnastics, but you do find that gymnasts are able to like kind of come over to other disciplines and kind of pick up that style um, really in a variety of movements just because of the versatility of gymnastics. But like coming over to something like hand balancing or gymnastics or up to breakdancing or contortion or acrobatics, and they're able to um, make the transition pretty smoothly. Um, while we're on the subject of gymnastics, sports acrobatics is another major place that you see one-arm handstands happen, or partner acrobatics in general. Um, you see this happen for a long time, partially because when a base is balancing a flyer, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, so it's in the partner acro or sports acro world, 
particularly because handstands are a lot about strength to weight ratio. Um, you know, having a lot of upper body strength and, you know, like fairly low body mass is helpful. But then when you have a base who's much larger than a flyer in a sports acro pair, um, <clears throat> that kind of strength to weight issue is taken care of. And, um, you know, you have a base that's connected to the floor and a flyer that's usually pretty flexible and they can make a shape on one arm and just try to stay still while the base balances. Yeah. So this has been, that's been a, I mean, I've seen old circus acts also where from like, I just feel like it's been, you see old circus acts that have like one arms in them way. Like the yeah. It's way more common than like hand balancers or like gymnasts. Uh, yeah. I feel like you see one arm hand to hands, like more commonly earlier on than you see uh, one-arm handstands early on. The the early one-arm handstands, um, they kind of come out of like the circus also um, in like different styles, often by people that are performing uh, feats of strength or like the old time strongmen or at the time they were even considered just bodybuilders. But it was more people that were like the old time strongmen, they were kind of like the Edo portals of their day where they were showing off all the different feats of strength that they could accomplish. And then... Yeah, like hold a giant barrel over their head while they're in like a chair split, you know? Like, and, know. <laughs> um, and you know, those one arms today would be considered sort of like technically not... Um, like, you know, like not perfect alignment, definitely like close shoulder, banana back position. But what I find, <sighs> but what's really interesting uh, is, so I, I have an anecdote as I often do. Um, so I bought a book uh, off Amazon called The Art and Science of Hand Balancing or something like that, or The Lost Art of Hand Balancing by Professor Paul Anetti. And in it, they have a lot of photos of old one arms. And the, as Emily mentioned, the shapes that the people's uh, lower bodies and like middle bodies were in were very like buried um, because there wasn't so much like a standard form at the time. But if you look at the shoulder positioning and the elbow positioning and the hand positioning, it looks exactly like a modern one arm um, because you know, our bodies haven't changed all that much in a hundred years. Well, and there's pretty much only one way to put your entire body over one arm, and that's, you know, a pretty fixed arm position. <laughs> yeah, so even within those days, you would see, like, a straight elbow and a shoulder directly over the hand. We'll, uh, we'll come back to the super technical elements of uh, one arm, uh, the other places, what was that, Emily? Um, the other, like, kind of old school circus, like, oh, yeah. variant. Um, so there would be, like, the strongman, but then there would be, like, contortionists, or, like, you know, what they would consider contortion at that time. Um, the Little John Act yeah. is kind of, like, you know, this tween boy who's, like, super flexible, um, you know, he did all of like the contortion shapes. Um, and was that like the fifties? I think it, it may have been even, it could have been earlier, but yeah. It's a, little, the act is little, little John. Yeah. Not little John. <laughs> little John. <laughs> um, and you know, he definitely did one arm shapes. Um, and that was very like back bendy and he had the little cane that was yeah. like a sort of different shape, but yeah, he would. I'm trying to remember if he pressed into one arm or if I he pressed so. up on two. But yeah, there's there was people back in the day that were doing amazing hand balancing feet, amazing contortion feats. I don't want to say, you know, because there's like this whole other circus history, like freak show thing, but it's kind of slightly related to that, whether it's like the strongman or the contortion um, style where it's a little bit of just like, look at this wild shit that we can do with our bodies, basically. Yeah. That, <laughs> Not super technical, you know? <laughs> well, I would just say the technique is different, but like, well, I guess like the, uh, oh, are we talking about the freak shows? 
Well, this like Little John and like Strongman stuff kind of is like adjacent to those things, you know? Yeah, I guess like that plays to like how are these things related? Um, so like there's clearly like a different skill level involved in like a contortionist or a strongman or like the bearded lady. Not that the bearded lady didn't need to uh, like learn specialty hair, <laughs> specialty hair care. Yeah, no, they did inner work. But um, yeah, the this type of acrobatics, like the acrobatic feats of the circus, those have ultimately been kind of the things that have like persisted and like kind of carried through to modern day circus. Um, so, I mean, that kind of actually gets at like the strongman style and the contortion style were kind of like, and now later we'll talk about like the hand balancing style, but I think this speaks to like, you can get a one arm done by being very flexible or very strong or ideally a combination of both. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have either, <laughs> it's probably going to be pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a good starting point is to say, like, you really need a two-arm handstand and if you're going to train one-arm handstand. <laughs> yeah. that uh, I think that's fair to say. Um, <laughs> so I would say, like, the quality of your one-arm will not surpass the quality of your two arm. I I mean, you, you might be able to find like mm. some like exception to this, but like I, I, I'm having trouble imagining it. But even if you look at something like breakdancing where you see a lot of like one arm handstand freezes, there still is like this prerequisite, prerequisite of like you have to be able to balance a handstand for some amount of time. Now you won't probably see so many b-boys spending the time to balance like a minute long handstand because like there's that you know that's Their like the whole thing is based on movement and like <laughs> that takes up like a lot of uh you know like that's just not going to work in a breakdancing battle or in a breakdancing performance um so like in breakdancing like once you can hold like a 10-15 second two arm, um, maybe not even, you're gonna probably start to work on going over to a one arm freeze. You're gonna try to like pop up onto one hand. Now like because of like musicality and need when to like hold things to make an impression, people like learn to stay longer in these, but like they never have these same demands of trying to do, well, or they, there's way less pressure to do really long sequence of like very still bodied like handstands. So you'll see in breakdancing things more like bent elbows. You'll see shoulder positionings that are going to be like slightly different than what you would see in like an acro flyer or like a hand balancer or a contortionist even. You'll kind of see like a little bit more of like an intuitive form, something that's kind of a little bit more strength-based. And I mean, someone coming from breakdancing has that to their advantage is that they probably are quite strong um, given that they're kind of moving through two arm handstands and one arm freezes with shoulder positions that are not super efficient. Um, so it's not a bad place to, to start and then ultimately transition to a hand balancing practice. Yeah. I mean, and for a long time, uh, breakdancing was probably one of the most accessible uh, sources of information on some of these, like as an entry point to like one arm handstands or one arm balancing in general. So breakdancing has lots of different freezes. Freezes are essentially poses. Um, and like things like an air baby is like a one armed crow pose. Um, like there's things like air chairs, which are, is based out of like chair freezes, which is kind of like an elbow on the side of your hip or even like further onto your back. But there's different types of bent arm, one arm balances that like break dancers will, you know, when you're learning, when you're training these things or learning them initially, not everyone like tries to jump directly into them. Some people do take like these slower, more progressive. They learn to come up on fingertips. They learn how to do like little uh, drills to introduce it. Um, so breakdancing for a long time had like a lot of these, uh, entry points to hand balancing. 
I mean, there's the, you know, fundamental concept of like understanding how to put the center of your body over the point that is supporting you, which is your hand. Um, and so regardless of the shape that's being made, you know, they, they've developed this whole variety of like, how do I put this on one hand, basically. Yeah. What is interesting, though, in breakdancing is you do see them kind of gravitate towards some of like the pretty similar shapes that they would do in like hand balancing. They're just done with like to fit the rules of the game. So like in uh, breakdancing, you'll still pe see people do like a straddle if they're going to do like if they're like training a one arm or if they're like you'll, if someone's trying to balance a one arm in breakdancing, which they do sometimes. Um, like straddle will often be like the starting point, but there might be an elbow bend. The shoulder might be not as pushed out and like they might be using more movement to kind of like, uh, to save it. If we're going to talk about strict hand balancing style, um, there's some differences. Yeah. So in hand balancing, um, really the goal is to stay uh, for long periods of time on your hands and to basically perform. So there's different styles of hand balancing, but one arm handstands are kind of, you know, most most developed within the world of like hand balancing and hand balancing contortion. Um, as far as like your ability to balance on one hand and stay there and do like long sequences which also are supposed to ideally appear still and like easy. There was, we have a teacher at our studio that kind of described hand balancing as like upside down ballet. Um, and that's just to say like the goal sort of is free movement of the legs over an incredibly stable arm and shoulder. Um, and if we're talking about like modern hand balancing, it's really the appearance of like stillness and like calm um, in the arms and shoulders, and then whatever variety of leg choreography is happening on top, um, as opposed to something like break dancing or gymnastics where you're moving through a shape on the hands, but then like you might flip to your feet or like do a jump or um, slide or you know you're on an apparatus or whatever but in hand balancing it's like the skill is staying and then the legs kind of move on top yeah so the one arm handstand um, the starting point in hand balancing will be generally the two arm uh, handstand you can also go directly into one arm but that's like a Let's use the two arm as the starting point of the alignment, at least. So if we imagine that someone was in a very well-stacked two arm handstand, uh, we would want to keep that well-stacked two arm handstand. Um, in a two arm handstand, your center of uh, mass is going to be kind of distributed between your two hands. That way you have an even amount of weight in each hand. So where does the weight need to go to be in a one-arm handstand? Over one of your hands. Not two, but one. <laughs> and it sounds like, you know, duh. Um, but it's, when you start practicing it and you, you kind of like lose track of like, okay, I'm on my two hands, I have like a stable uh, balance point, and then I need to shift to one arm. And sometimes... There's also a lot of information out there. You kind of get lost in the details, but fundamentally you're trying to shift that center of mass over a new base of support, a much smaller base of support. Yeah. It is interesting. You bring up that, like, you know, there's a lot of information out there and especially if you're trying to do it right, it's possible to kind of get like bogged down in the details. But one of my favorite videos that you see on the internet is someone decides that they want to do a one-arm handstand. They can do a two-arm handstand. And I can tell you this was the process for me. Intuitively, after you stay in a two-arm handstand for like, like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and you're hitting that consistently, the, it's hard. I mean, for me, it was very obvious. Go to one hand. 
you got this. Pick up the other hand. And the devil said, lift the hand. <laughs> um, but you'll see people that like, don't have any other information about it besides like, I want to do this on one hand. They decide to drive through the floor with one of their arms and try to like lean to that side. And sometimes you see people lift into like what looks like a good one arm shoulder position for like two seconds. And it's like kind of crazy because it was like people, you would have said like if you were examining their technique and it's like, am I ready to train one arm handstands? A lot of people could easily have said no, but that person just proved you wrong. Like, on the most fundamental level by doing it. And like, that's just not to say that like, they're not necessarily ready to be like training it. Um, because like, you know, training it means that you're gonna wanna be able to create a consistent result. And if you have no clue what you did, um, but you're trying to like, like develop it into a practice, like you might like, if you're actually trying to like tweak it, you might just guide yourself in the wrong direction. So there's the shift. And then there's the balance. And I think that that kind of like initial like attempt without much information, it is often kind of intuitive for people. Like you know how to shift weight on your feet. Um, you know how to shift weight maybe if you walk on your hands. Um, if you do handstands at the wall and then you like turn off the wall, you understand how to shift. So we occasionally see that like very early kind of decent shift and then a two second hold or whatever but then the issue from there becomes how do you stay and balance it <laughs> and that's a whole other can of worms so the process of like getting to uh so like i think we can talk about uh as we're talking about hand balancing and contortion um there's such a big variety of shapes out there so the common element, as we mentioned before, talking about like the old school hand balancers, is you see this common theme of the shoulder elbow hand position looks kind of identical between a lot of these. So people have different elbows. Um, people have different shoulder shapes, arm shapes. Um, so there will be some variation in exactly how this looks. And there's also like how much does your elbow hyperextend? How much does, is your elbow actually bent? What's your wrist mobility like? Um, but ideally, if you have that, the wrist mobility to do a two-arm handstand in a still position, you should have more or less the wrist mobility you need for one arm without too much variation. Um, so then we get to like, what is the, what is the stacking of a, um, of a one arm? So, the most important thing is that your arm needs to be vertical. So we're gonna kind of like define the arm as like the shoulder blade or like the, let's even just say like the ball and socket joint of your shoulder needs to be like over your hand. And you know, this can be done efficiently or it can be done less efficiently. Mm -hmm. So with the elbow like bent, like you're going down towards the floor, this takes a lot more energy of the arms and the shoulders to stabilize. Um, depending on like how well everything above it is stacked, like it might be doable. Um, this is a lot of break dancers, you know? They'll stack their shoulder over their hand, but in between those two points, the elbow is slightly bent, but they're really strong. Yeah, or the elbow could be bent and like the legs are like kind of like to the outside. Um, there's like, or yeah, it can basically become like a one-arm planche. Um, but like going for like the efficient stacking of hand balancing and like hand balancing contortion, you're going to try to straighten your elbow to either straight or even slightly hyperextended and hyperextended is okay. As long as it's not causing anyone, as long as it's not like causing like inordinate amounts of pain and discomfort or like a lack of performance. But like for most people, like some small amount of hyperextension will actually be kind of useful yeah. in hand balancing. I rarely see, um, it does happen, um, but I don't see a lot of issues uh, from the PT standpoint um, as a result of elbow hyperextension. I think when it starts to get into one arm handstand training, 
in certain shapes, um, certain of the very heavy shapes, I would say, um, then it starts to load some of those joint structures a little extra. Um, but you know, if we're talking about standard shifting in straddle or straight, um, you know, the standard handstand shapes, elbow hyperextension can be useful for balancing. Yeah. So, um, coming back to this, like, what are the most fundamental, like, stacking pieces? Um, once we've moved beyond the idea of, like, there can be a bent elbow, which, like, there can certainly be a bent elbow ranging from, like, a crock, which would be, like, your elbow, like, very bent, <laughs> to, like, a little micro bend in your elbow. And, like, how bent your elbow is will affect kind of, like, how everything else has to stack up the line. But let's say that your elbow is straight or slightly hyperextended. The next common, the next very standard thing you will see in the stack is the shoulder is um, directly vertical over your hand. Even if the elbow is hyperextended, the elbow might not be over the hand, but then like the shoulder still will be. And that's because the shoulder is connected to the rest of your body. <laughs> so that's the spot that we're gonna want to like create the most innate stability. So from there, what direction, um, how the body exactly has to stack uh, changes with how the torso, um, like how we want to align the body, what kind of shape we want to make. So for the conversation, let's start with talking about like straight body handstand. Um, legs together would be like the simplest way to think about this. So if we wanted to create like a very pinpoint stack, which is what like a legs together one arm handstand has to be, um, we're gonna next want the scapula, your shoulder blade, to essentially point upwards. Mm -hmm. um, we want the scapula to aim the rest of your body into the most stacked position your scapula can offer. This is, you know, where things get a little complicated because scapulas can move in lots of different directions uh, to different degrees. Um, also, it kind of depends a little bit what your movement background is. Have you done a lot of pulling strength sports? Um, are you aware of all the different ways your scapula can move? And basically in handstands, whether it's two arms or one arm, we're trying to make the scapula and shoulder to be as stable as a pelvis is standing upright. Um, so doing the weight shift and then stabilizing from the scapula down to the hand is kind of like, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. The thing that makes this really complicated is like a shoulder is very different than a hip in like many ways. But like if we start at like, you know, you have an upper arm bone and you have an upper leg bone, you have a humerus in your arm, you have a femur in your uh, like leg. Uh, those attach into like a ball and socket joint. So you have like a ball and socket joint on your pelvis, which is part of a fairly, your pelvis is a fairly fixed structure. Not that there's zero movement, but generally your pelvis like is like a big, big old bone and like another big old bone plugs into it. <laughs> but like you have that same arm bone. It's a little bit smaller. It's a good bit smaller than um, your leg but your leg plugs into a ball and socket joint that's on your scapula. But your scapula, your arm plugs into, your arm plugs into the ball and socket of your, your humerus plugs into your glenoid, your shoulder socket, and that's on your scapula. So your scapula, how does that connect to the rest of your body? Basically, Whole bunch of muscles. <laughs> mostly muscles, yeah. <laughs> but your collarbone is like a, the, is the big like skeletal uh, connection or it's like the, the bony connection. And that's a tiny little joint basically. So that's your AC joint, which like has some amount of movement in it. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that your scapula like relates to is your ribs, your thoracic, uh, like your, the ribs of your upper back and those connect to your spine. Yes. And we kind of talked about this whole complex a lot in our handstand episode. Um, as complicated as it is to stabilize in two arms, it's 
more than twice as complicated to stabilize in one arm. <laughs> so the, and I don't know if this is an easy way to imagine it, but we basically need to turn that scapula, collarbone, ribcage, spine into one thing that all kind of have a job to do. And that job is to hold you up in the most efficient way for, or to hold you up as stable as they can in that shape. So in the idea of like a straight body, straight spined handstand, you're trying to turn your torso into kind of like a barrel that's trying to stack over that pillar of an arm that we've created. You can imagine that there's a lot of like muscular tension that like is responsible for getting you there and stabilizing it once you're there. But ideally you can imagine like the rocks that are stacked on like the nature walks. Like if you stack things really well and then you don't move them, they can stay. Um, for kind of taking this like legs together, straight body, straight spine shape, um, man, I don't want to like get out over my skis talking about physics, but, <laughs> um, in two arms, you know, if you find like the very, very center most point of the body and you drop a vector straight down, that would fall like right between the thumbs pretty much, um, you know, maybe a little bit more towards the fingertips, maybe a little bit more towards the heel of the hand, depending on the alignment of the handstand. Um, and then if you're shifting to one arm, we still need that like center point of the body to drop a vector straight down, but this time through the, the hand that you're going to. Um, and so that means that that body shape is gonna be at a slight diagonal tilt yeah. over the shoulder. Like the, the shoulder is like the axis of the tilt. Yeah, so there's basically, we need to get on top of that arm. And you, like, you can imagine like your body, if it stayed in the exact same shape as a two arm handstand and your arm didn't move at all, um, you're gonna fall when you remove one of the hands. Right, uh, so your center is still between your two hands, even though you took a hand away. <laughs> yeah, so the way that you bring your center over that straight arm, it can happen in like, it can happen in a couple of different ways, depending on like exact proportions, what you're going for, what kind of shape you're going for. Um, Emily, meant, we've been talking about like the straight body archetype, um, but even like the straight body could have some small degree of side bend to it. So if you think like if you're in a, two-arm handstand, and then you just slightly bent at your lower back to the side, it wouldn't take very much for your uh, center to now be over one of your hands instead of two. The issue is like, usually as you shift your weight over to one side, uh, that hand, that shoulder doesn't really hold its ground. So basically like if you move your legs, but you don't try to do anything different with your uh, upper body, like it's very likely your shoulder gets pushed over. And the further your shoulder gets pushed over, the less it's stacked suddenly. And the more you have to work just to not fall to the outside. This is, I would say, just based on experience practicing and like being yelled at by people outside of my body, um, pretty much one of the most common issues um, is the feeling of like, okay, I'm shifting my body over my arm, but my arm didn't do anything extra to anticipate that extra weight. Um, and so the shoulder just kind of drifts off of the stacked position. So you almost have to feel like you're resisting towards the inside with your shoulder as your legs tip in the correct direction. Yeah. <laughs> so the straight body um, can be this like really nice like archetype for like what is just the, the most efficient stack. But the straight body also falls in the heaviest way because it's the tallest. So like maybe once you're there and you're in a really good spot, it has this feeling of like kind of ultimate lightness. I actually really love the feeling of when I'm trying to find the balance in it and I'm like not in the right spot and then it like kind of like locks into the right spot by necessity. And it's like, oh, why wouldn't I just be here the whole time? Um, but it's so fine tuned, like a straight body legs together, one arm has almost no margin for error. Yeah, and like 
it's worth noting that like as much as we talk about it and it's kind of fun to nerd out about like the the concepts behind it it's ultimately something that has to be just developed via like training it in your body and we'll go a little bit into like the ex like the training methodology for a few minutes in a few minutes um, but it's worth noting that while that straight body position is one way of stacking your body, um, anything with the legs in a lower shape, in theory, will fall not as heavy. The shorter the shape, the easier it is to balance. So the simplest one being like letting the legs come apart from each other in the symmetrical way, basically out to the sides into a straddle. And the more you straddle your legs while still keeping um, everything else stacked, uh, the lower the center of gravity and the uh, less like the less heavy the falls will be. Um, but the flip side is like when you move your body into a less finite position, um, then suddenly more things can move around. So very flexible people might find that uh, they have their legs don't want to stay like stacked on top of them. Their legs want to hang down because they, they just have a very easy. Uh, hamstring or straddle flexibility or like maybe they've learned how to handstand in a straddle um, in a way that isn't really ideal for one arms but they got pretty good at doing it in two arms and now they want to learn how to do one arms and it's just a fundamentally heavier position which was stable for them and that's why they liked it in the two arm but now they need a little bit more of that lightness. One way to think about this too is in your two arm handstand generally you only have to deal with front and back um, balancing. So because you have two hands and your two hands are, you know, on a horizontal line, um, the side to side isn't so much of an issue. Um, you know, you have that like width of your base. Um, and then the front to back, after a while you figure it out, you just have to deal with like the width of your hand pretty much um, on the front side and the back side. When you go to one arm, it's 360 degrees, essentially. So not only are you dealing with front and back, side to side, but there's also rotation. And the more flexible you are, the harder it is to kind of keep track of all of those ways that the body can move. However, the more flexible you are, the more you can put yourself in a low, compact shape that's easier to balance. So it's, it's totally a trade-off. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing that's really just like important to remember is like we talk about you can fall forward, you can fall backwards, side side, you can rotate, you can also fall straight down. And that's basically like your body stopped bracing upwards against gravity at some point along the way. And the thing is like it's not that you're going to fall in one of these directions. Like if you're doing a two-arm handstand, there's like a slow motion process of fall falling even if you're really good. I like to say that even if you're the best handstander in the world, like gravity, <laughs> gravity will win eventually. Um, and in a one-arm handstand, like no matter how strong you are, gravity is going to win eventually, but a lot faster than yeah. two arms. So like we kind of have this finite amount of time that we can fully resist gravity, and we want to be like as well stacked for it as possible. Um, there's other ways of bringing the weight over that are kind of bigger. We talked about kind of tilting the body in a kind of small way to do it. Another alternative would be to like make bigger shapes uh, that use more flexibility. Things like a flag would be like side bending um, with the legs in various different shapes. Like the hardest ones being things like full flag or things where your legs are like straight out to the side and you're bending it like the kind of like the the form of it would be like a 90 degree or even like a little bit more than 90 degree bend at your side through a combination of like vertebra. And that's like a extremely heavy shape that people don't hold anywhere as long as they can hold like a stacked one arm. There's also things like a figa, which kind of uh, you keep your shoulders still, but you move your hips in like a twisting, piking sort of way to, uh, to get to it. Just like on two arms, on one arm, like, you know, half your body has to be to the inside, half your body has to be to the outside, half your body has to be on the front side, and half your body has to be on the back side, um, and thus 
balance is created. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's no correct shape to do a one arm. There's the shapes that are easiest that most people learn at the beginning. Um, and then, you know, you make choices from there, basically. So this reminded me, um, back when we were talking about breakdancing 30 minutes ago or something, <laughs> um, I was thinking about like how people arrive at these same fundamental shapes. And in breakdancing, they have what's called a pike freeze. Um, like, so they do straddle off sometimes. They'll also do like a bent knee straddle or a tuck. Um, but the pike freeze is a figa, which was that same twisting, piking one arm that I was like talking about. And it's really interesting to me that like the figa, like even though we think of it in hand balancing as this like really flexible, technical kind of shape that's quite hard, um, in breakdancing, people kick directly into it. Or in like capoeira, um, like awu batido is kind of like one of the legs is coming in that figa shape. Often you'll find that the ways that the hand balancing shapes also kind of mimic the ways that people fall out of one arms. It's just like the, the shapes are almost like stylized falls. Yeah, yeah, you just figure out how to create enough resistance to stop falling. So this scene, and uh, we didn't talk so much about it, partially because we don't practice it so much, but the contortion style uh, deals with, um, contortion you see some of the craziest hand balancing out there. Um, you see, um, for one, they're doing like deep back bends in one arms, and there's a lot of shapes that are gonna be extremely unique to contortion because of that, because you just need this prerequisite back bending ability. I mean, one of the coolest things about contortion hand balancing is that when you get to one arm a lot of times you have this other hand now free that you can grab a foot <laughs> put it somewhere rotate it you know um tuck it under your armpit <laughs> so under like your chin. all these other shapes um sort of become possible when you have a lot of flexibility to layer on top of your hand balancing yeah um there are other skills within hand balancing um, and like auxiliary skills. So there's things like crocs and air babies and side crocs. There's croc pops where you like hop from, you use a kipping motion to come from a, like a elbow lever, like on one hand with your elbow under your hip, popping all the way up into a one arm handstand. Um, there's like big variety there. You can hop between hands. Breakdancers are masters of the hand hop, and they do it in a slightly different way. But um, you can also spin on one hand. In hand balancing, it happens on a spinning cane a lot of times. That's like a built-in mechanism, but it also happens in like breakdancing as and a- gymnastics. And gymnastics. It happens in breakdancing as like a 1990, where you uh, basically pivot on a on bent- the floor on your hand. On like, yeah, on your pisiform. <laughs> Um, the heel of your hand. Um, and then in fancy. gymnastics, they'll rotate over one arm like on an apparatus. Yeah, as pirouettes on P-bars or on pommel horse, it'll be a part of these momentary one arms are a part of so many skills. Um, this is also acro chats. Mm -hmm. And while handstands in themselves and all these things are acrobatic, it's worth talking about uh, partner acro since so many of our listeners <laughs> are partner acrobats. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the most basic level, any handstand can be done like on a base. Um, so any one-arm skills potentially could be a hand-to-hand -hand skill, one-arm hand-to-hand -hand skill, um, or a hand-to-foot or hand-to-head skill. Um, I have found personally that even though I'm still like early in my one-arm handstand journey, the concepts of it apply to lots of different areas of acro. Yeah. One of the things that we mentioned earlier is you see one-arm handstands show up in like history way more, uh, in my opinion, earlier more commonly than um, you see like people doing it in like a hand balance style on their own or on canes. Um, and you see people in an acro practice, like modern day, you'll see a lot of people that can uh, practice and fly one-arm hand-to-hands that can't really do, they really don't have that same ability to balance a one-arm or get to a one-arm uh, by themselves. Um, 
and this is okay because it's a different thing. Mm -hmm. So in sports acrobatics, we talked about before, uh, like kind of the gymnastics variant of, or the gymnastics sport of partner acrobatics, um, you have a variety of different ways that people do one arms. Uh, one way is like the base, the fly will stay incredibly rigid and the base will balance them. Often uh, the, the shapes are a little bit different. Um, the people that are doing these um, start a little bit younger. Um, so their bodies are more flexible and they can kind of take on that shape. So a lot of times you see people with a little bit more hyperextension in the elbows, very flexible shoulders. And as a result, you'll see in acro, people don't tilt their legs as much or they don't tilt their waist as much in their one arms. One theory I have for this is it's less likely to fall out to the side. And if you can return to two arms, return to the center, um, that's gonna look better in your routine, whether it's being scored or it's something you're performing. There's also, again, in my like sort of limited experience, um, I've practiced my own one arms, you know, in my handstand practice, and then I've flown some one arms in hand to hand. Um, it's a little bit more like that shifting of the center of mass. It's shifting over where your base wants to hold it as opposed to like where you would balance it yourself. Um, so there's a little bit more of like a communication there maybe between the pair and like how to get that done. Um, and every pair is, you know, slightly different. Yeah. So there's ways that you can do it where the base uh, basically pushes the flyer over into the one arm handstand. And if that's what the pair has kind of like worked out that they are gonna do, that can uh, work really well. Often that would be like if the base is pushing the flyer over onto it, often that will mean that the base is gonna really take control of the balance in that situation and like kind of move themselves in a way that tries to make the flyer stay in one place efficiently. Um, the other thing you also see in different types of sports acro is uh, flyers who are extremely self-sufficient and able to balance themselves. Um, often this will be from, uh, you see this in both mixed pairs um, and um, men's pairs and women's pairs groups. Um, but like one thing I think of is like a mixed pairs group with uh, a male base and a female flyer and they're doing like an extended one arm hand to hand. So the base is standing up, the flyer has somehow wound up on a one arm handstand, essentially on the base's one arm handstand. And often the base will, or the base is like standing, holding their hand up, but it's like an arm of just the longest possible connection to the floor in a one arm. Um, and the base will move around underneath this, keeping their arm really solid, but then the flyer can also be changing shapes as the base moves around. Another example would be like um, often in like a men's four group, like four guys working, they're doing like a four high where they're like stacked up in like a super tall combination of like sitting on shoulders and standing on shoulders. And the, stand, whatever. <laughs> and the top the top flyer uh, will do like a one arm press on the top base's head. And at that point, like that flyer, like, you know, no one can do a one arm press for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that if you're flyer is getting it done. <laughs> if you're wondering if like the base did it or the flyer did it, if the flyer jumped in directly into it or they uh, pressed directly into it, that flyer can do a one arm handstand. <laughs> yeah. They might not have as like well developed one arm handstand as like a hand yeah. balancer, but like, and that's why you'll see like some of the craziest um, hand balancers as adults that have developed their hand balancing, they have that background as a sports acro flyer. Yeah. Um, you know, if only we could turn back the clock and all start our lives as sports acro flyers, we would, <laughs> we would all have perfect one-arm handstands at this point. But it's not impossible to uh, get to a, it's certainly not impossible to get to quite a high level in uh, this, in acrobatics, in one-arm handstands, even as an adult, um, I think having proper guidance uh, from the right people will take you a long way. So meeting people that have, uh, that can do the thing um, is really helpful. And being around people that can do the thing is really helpful because then you get to see it done on a regular basis. And it's not like, 
a concept that exists in your head maybe one day. It's something that you see physically in front of you. And I know for myself, that was really big. Yeah. It's also kind of like the flip side of this, um, the advantage of having started something really young and like coming in with all this like strength and flexibility that developed in your body, you know, as a young person, um, sometimes having that experience can make it a little harder to teach the skill, especially if you're teaching adults, um, because you may not even remember what it's like to not know how to do it. Um, so if you're seeking one arm handstand guidance or coaching, um, I think personally, like someone who maybe has a similar body type or maybe they have a similar movement background and they've been through the process, then that's something I can relate to and maybe some coaching that would feel valuable to me. Yeah, obviously we're going to be a little bit biased towards people who have like a similar background to us. But in my experience, like some of the most effective one-arm uh, teachers are people that did not have the easiest road learning it. Um, and like that's been my experience in many things is if someone had to like work a little bit harder, they had to think about things a little bit more, often they wind up being a little bit, um, I want to say better teachers, but they're at least often like versatile. versatile teachers. They might be a better fit for other people that are going to have a little bit of struggle in the process. Whereas for people that um, have like all the natural prereqs and like even like the supportive background, um, like if someone is like a really has a really strong gymnastics background, um, like they might be someone that can like use the coaching style of someone who's very to the point and very um, is gonna take certain things for granted, but it's okay because like that person can take it for granted also. Things like straight elbows or push taller or like just knowing how to do a two arm handstand really well. Yeah, I think this is you know, not so much in, in basic handstand training, but definitely for one arms, like just having a slight awareness of seeking feedback from someone whose mobility and like body type are like sort of similar. So I've heard it lots of times, um, people being frustrated, learning from someone who's like super flexible. Um, it's like, well, how do I, open my shoulders like that person just can open their shoulders because that's how their body's built you know and I, now I have to like work on it forever um and maybe having language around what the feeling is like or what drills to do um it would be easier coming from someone that has had that experience and then vice versa also I've had my purse my own frustrations with hearing like yeah you know you just push more and it's like okay you're a super super strong person that already was strong and i'm over here just like building up a tiny bit of strength at a time um and so you know finding the right fit for you yeah finding the right fit might have to do with like having similar experiences it could also just have to do with like similar communication styles or you feel like you want to show up to practice with that person or you can receive feedback well from that person. Um, you know, I think one arms can seem like a really lofty thing to work on and for all purposes they are. Um, I know when I first started training one arms, like I, once I made the decision I wanted to do a one arm, I was given this like, some like kind of specific numbers. Like you train it five to six days a week for like two to three hours a day and it was like, oh, snap, that's, that's a lot of handstands. And you, then you would hear from some people, it was like, oh, I actually, I, I don't even take rest days. It's like, oh, I, my session, I might do two of those sessions a day. And it's like, can seem like, wow, if I wanna be able to do this thing, I just have to work harder than everyone else. Which, like, that's not to say that that won't get you the results also. And I've certainly had moments where, like, I've kind of fallen into that. But like the big thing with one arm handstand is it builds upon itself and it builds over time. So there's only like so much that you're gonna, only so much progress you're gonna make in any given day as far as like strength gains or flexibility gains. Um, the real challenge is like to, how do you get the most out of the time that you do have? 
Um, and that's where like having a, a coach that kind of gets it is going to really help. Yeah, um, this is getting to the point where the skill is specialized enough that some one-on-one -on -one time with a coach is probably like a good idea. Um, you know, at our studio, we have classes for one arm, but it's really like a smaller group of people who probably somewhere along the way have had some one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then the class itself is kind of like structured training time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think we've actually had a lot of people who have started in that uh, in that class, but it's also people that have come up through our like two arm handstand classes, and kind of know our teaching style. Um, and of course, when someone has had uh, private instruction, like that can be really helpful. Um, private instruction was a really big part of my learning process for one arm handstands, um, just because like, especially like a few years ago when I was like initially learning it. Um, there wasn't really this, there weren't really like um, that many options out there. I watched a lot of videos on YouTube, anyone that had a tutorial um, about it. So I watched like breakdancing tutorials on one arms. I watched the handstand ones that were out there. But like a long, but not that long ago, there was very little information about it out there. Now there's like a lot of information about one arms and um, especially over like the last two years for some, for some reason, some, somehow like there's more people that can do one arm handstands today than like any time in history. And I think that really actually increased over like the last two years. Part of it is like you have to be able to do a two arm handstand. And I think there's way more people that can do two arm handstands now than any other point in history. Um, so, you know, if it's an interesting thing to you, um, it doesn't need to like fully encompass your life. It does take consistent training. I'd say like for a moderate like progression towards it, like you don't want it to take more than a few years. Um, training it like four days a week is kind of like a good minimum. Obviously life happens and like you might not always get that in, but like trying to visit it several times a week. But the sessions don't need to be like three hours. Like it can be like an hour to 90 minutes. And if you're working on the right things and it's the appropriate step for you to be working on, like that could like four days a week for 90 minutes a day for per session, that could very well like set you on the road to being able to hold a one arm handstand in like some amount of time. I don't want, I try not to make promises, yeah. but like a year to two years is a fairly standard like time period from having a two arm to training it seriously and getting some like longer three, five, 10 second holds even. There are people out there whose timeline was like months and not years, but those are definitely kind of the exception, not the rule. And people who came from a movement background that, you know, already had a two arm handstand for instance. So um, just, like, it's very possible, uh, kind of set your sights on it, and then... Also, worth noting, you don't need to have, like, a super, like, structured, high-level background in these things. Like, I never was trained in gymnastics as a kid. I never did gymnastics as a kid. I tried to walk around on my hands. I was a yoga teacher. I tried to handstand on skateboards. So, like, just because you didn't grow up doing gymnastics or circus, like, that doesn't... That's not going to be a reason that you can't get it like quickly if you like if you really want it and you practice your handstands and you're strong like I you know I developed a yoga handstand into an acro yoga handstand into an acro handstand into a hand balance handstand it just took a good ten years twenty years there's better info out there now so yeah you'll get it sooner ah. Uh -huh. Damn, Emily, I thought I did pretty good. Um, but anyway, we love one arms. We practice them all the time. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard. It can get pretty addictive because it's like when you get that first taste of like, oh, wow, I am doing this thing. It can really feel like you're doing something that's like kind of spectacular because you are. Um, and if you're at the stage that you're just like kind of throwing up your hand and taking a photo, like you're still doing something spectacular that might kill other people like some people's bodies would collapse under the pressure of it so celebrate where you're at if you're interested in doing it in a specific way you're gonna have to train it in a specific way and uh 
yeah, the way that you want to do it is kind of up to you because there's many ways to get it done. This has been another stunning episode of Acro Chats with the stunning Emily Lashinsky DPT. Thanks. <laughs> Come back next week and hear us talk about something else. Yeah, I'll be there too. Thanks for joining everyone. Warrior Bridge is a leading provider of online instruction in handstands, flexibility, movement, and partner acrobatics. Classes are filmed daily from our downtown Manhattan studio and live streamed around the globe to meet you wherever you are in the world. Our classes offer students the unique opportunity to receive real-time feedback and answers from expert instructors and connect to a movement community that spans the globe. If you aren't able to attend class in real time, you can catch class replays at any time via our on-demand library. Head over to warriorbridge.com to learn more.